Hello and welcome to the Middle East Forum speaker webinar series and podcast. I'm Karis Rea and I will be moderating this discussion today. We are very pleased to have NBA player and human rights activist Enes Cantor Freedom joining us to tell us his story and discuss the price he has paid for criticizing the Turkish regime. Freedom will speak for 15 minutes and then I will ask some questions. Given that this is a pre-recorded webinar, there will be unfortunately be no option for an audience Q&A. And with that, I will turn the discussion over to Enes Freedom. Um, first of all, thank you for having me. Um, you know, I want to start with uh, my childhood because, you know, some of the things that are happening in my childhood is still uh, affects me till this day. This day. Um, I remember, you know, I was born in Switzerland. I moved back to Turkey, you know, when I was nine months. Um, I grew up inside of Turkey, the city called Van, V-A-N. Um, you know, I had a very difficult childhood because um, if you are in, if you live in Turkey, especially if you are a politician, right, and if there, if you want to be elected again, um, the first thing you do, you go onto these rallies, you go onto this front of cameras, interviews, and you do two things: you attack America, you attack Israel, and unfortunately, the base is. Uh, <clears throat> is um, so uneducated, whatever they see on TV, whatever they read on a newspaper, uh, that they believe in it. And uh, unfortunately, is everything is controlled by the government. So I remember, you know, growing up, there are so many, so many, so much of propaganda uh, towards the West, towards America, towards Israel, especially towards Christian people sometimes. And um, I remember that one day I went downstairs, I was nine years old, and I went downstairs to play with my friends. And what I what I see that day really shocked me and I still cannot forget till today. Uh, my friends were burning American flags and they were burning Israeli flags, they were breaking crosses and they were telling me to hate America, hate Israel. And um, so I was, first I've seen, I was very confused because I was like, guys, what are you guys doing? And these kids are not even teenagers, you know? Um, they said, well, that's what we see on TV. That's what our parents are telling us to do. Um, they actually give me a flag to burn it. And I remember I got so scared. I threw the flag down. I ran upstairs to my apartment and I was like, mom, uh, I immediately asked her. I was like, mom, you know, my, um, my friends are telling me to hate America, hate Israel. I uh, hate Christian people. They're the worst. They're the devil, whatever. Like, what do I do? Um, my mom said, I'm not going to tell you what to do, but do not hate anyone before you meet them. So I give a promise to my mom that I was like, promise I'm not going to hate anyone until I actually get to meet with these people. Um, I remember eight, eight years later, um, I came to America to play basketball and go to school same time. I went to a college in the University of uh, Kentucky. Um, so, and then <clears throat> I remember, you know, first time my plane was landed, I'm so excited, but same time I'm so nervous because I just don't know what to expect from America. Um, so I now remember, you know, I'm landed, I'm going to a, a high school here in, in California in Simi Valley. I remember, you know, my teammates were just like the, one of the nicest people towards me. And they were just, they were so nice. They were so kind. And it was, I was like, that's not what I've seen on 
television or internet or I did not read that on newspaper the last 17 years. Um, you know, they were telling me to, hey, like, let's take you to mosques and let's, you know, take you to some of the places that where I can live my culture and religion freely. And that really shocked me. I, and I remember I was going to my first, it was mix of Shabbat and Thanksgiver, Thanksgiving dinner. Uh, and I remember I uh, went, am I got invited? I immediately said, no, like, there's no way. And my friend was American and Jewish. I was like, there's no way. Um, you know, they were celebrating Thanksgiving because of, for, for some reason. Uh, but I was like, I remember, you know, getting invited, I immediately say no. But then I was like, I remember the promise to my mom. I was like, okay, you know what? I'm going to take a chance and go. And I remember before I go, I called one of my Turkish friends who lives in America. And I was like, if you don't hear from me for the next two hours, please call the police. That was like the funniest thing. <laughs> I went to the house. It was so beautiful everything was so amazing we had an amazing dinner um we had so much fun at one point I was thinking to myself I'm like are they trying to brainwash me or something so it was like the funniest thing um and then after that I was like this is not what I've seen on tv this is something so pure something so amazing um and then after that obviously I went to uh NBA my first two years all I cared about literally was playing basketball and have fun with my teammates and my third year in NBA, I remember there was a big corruption scandal happening in Turkey. President Erdogan and some of his family members and some of the actually congressmen close to Erdogan was involved in it. And that's actually for the, like was the first time that I said something about it. And I because the reason I put a tweet out, there was a simple tweet. I put a tweet out there was because Erdogan was putting innocent people in jail. Whoever talked about this corruption scandal, journalists, um, police, judges, prosecutors. He was shutting down media outlets, shutting down newspapers, TV channels. And I was like, I don't care who you are, but like, if you are fighting against free media, I'm going to say something about it. Uh, so that's why I, that's when I put a little simple tweet out there. And because of the NBA platform, it became a conversation here in the United States and uh, Turkey. And I was like, even one simple tweet can affect this much from now. And I'm going to start pay attention about what's going on in my country more. So I started to study about what's going on. I started to study about Turkey, Turkish politics. I started to, you know, um, study about, you know, the relationship between Turkey and America, what's going on in the Middle East. But the more I studied, the more I started to give in interviews and write op-eds. And, um, and every time I say something, it was becoming a conversation uh, everywhere in the world, uh, pretty much. Um, so then that really bothered the Tur Turkish government. And what I talk about really affected me and my family. I remember my dad was a, a scientist. He got fired from his job. My sister went to medical school for six years. She still cannot find a job. I think the sad saddest one was my little brother because he was, um, he was, he wanted to be a, like, he wanted to like a, his big brother. He wanted to, you know, be an NBA one day, become an NBA player, but he was getting kicked out of every team in Turkey because of the same last name. So they were getting affected so much, they had to put a statement out there and said, we are disowning NS. Actually, the letter is still out there on the internet. You guys can find it. Um, 
Turkish government didn't believe that. They sent police to my house in Turkey and they raided the whole house and they took every electronics away, actually. Phones, computers, laptops, iPads, because they wanted to see <clears throat> if I am still in contact with my family or not, which they couldn't find no evidence. I wasn't in contact with them, but they still took my dad in jail for a while. But we put so much pressure from America to Turkey, you know, with politicians, with media, with celebrities, NBA players, NBA, they had to let my dad go. And then after that, they revoked my passport. They put my name on Interpolis, actually. And while I was in Romania, that's when they actually pretty much tried to kidnap me and took me back to try to take me back to uh, Turkey. And that's when I called pretty much my senator friends, congressman friends, and actually Homeland Security really did help me. I got back in Turkey and they told me one thing, till you become an American citizen, do not leave this country because, you know, we can just, we might not be able to help you next time. So I literally stayed in America for the last six years and I became a citizen just a, oh, a little over a, a year ago. And now I started to travel, but, you know, my, pretty much my teammates are often asked ask me or like my friends are like, dude, I get this question a lot. Like, dude, are you crazy? The family's still there. You haven't seen them almost 10 years now. You know, like they are, they're being affected by what you say and stuff. But people don't understand my family is only one. There are so many families out there. Their situation is way worse than mine. Actually, if you guys want to see like the real numbers, um, there's a really good, uh, you know, uh, website called turkeypurge.com. So if you click on that, you know, you will see the real numbers, how many, people actually are in jail, how many people lost their job, academics, and how many medias outlets and schools and dormitories has been shut down. Um, so it's been it's been a really struggle for uh, Turkey. Um, I mean, there are so many other problems obviously happening in Middle East. Um, but the reason I care about Turkey so much, first, is my country. And second, Turkey could be the bridge of Islam and West. But just because of all these problems are happening right now, it's impossible. And what breaks my heart the most is, I mean, I was one of the lucky ones because I came here as a teenager and I saw what, what's going on. But there are so many teenagers, so many little kids uh, in the Middle East are growing up anti-Semitic, anti-West, anti-American, anti-Christian because of what their leaders are saying. Um, ask this you know, question to some of the people in uh, Middle East, and I'm sure they know it very well, uh, very well. So in schools in Middle East, some of the, uh, in some of the countries, front of classes, they have American flags, they have Israeli flags. And if you're a student, little kid, if you don't step on these flags, you're not allowed to attend the class. And think about the mindset of these kids are growing up. So once you sit down with these people and ask them or these kids like, hey, why do you hate America? Why do you hate Israel? Why do you hate Christian people? They're not going to be able to answer you why, because all they hear, what they hear on TV, what they read on newspaper, what they see on uh, Internet, which is all controlled by the government. So that's what breaks my heart the most. Um, so I'm just hoping that we can fix it somehow you know, by organizing maybe basketball camps, trying to bring people together and stuff. But, you know, Turkey plays a very important role in our century in Middle East. 
Um, so we have to do whatever we can to fix the problem. And the problem is not the country. The problem is the regime. You know, once I believe that once the regime changes, Turkey will have a better and brighter future. Because whenever I sit down with these leaders, with these prime ministers or presidents or senators, congressmen, the first thing they said is Erdogan is taking um, Turkey in a very difficult direction. And no one is really trusting Turkey anymore. He is going around and trying to help Ukraine, but same time he's opened his doors to Russian oligarchs. He is, you know, going and shaking hands with, you know, people like Putin, people like Iran, or people like Xi Jinping, whatever. So it's like people are saying, "What are you trying to do?" You know. So people are very confused. But like I said again, the reason I care about Turkey so much is because it could have been the bridge of Islam and West, but right now um, it's unfortunate yeah yeah thank you so much for um sharing your story with us and i definitely have some questions for you um first of all um tell us about your initiative to introduce holocaust education into muslim schools how did that come about mm -hmm. and um what has been the result so I remember I was playing for Boston Celtics and I became good friends with the Council General of Israel, Israel to Boston. You know, he invited me to this beautiful event. Um, it was a Holocaust Remembrance Day. And I remember the reason I wanted to go. So every organizations or every, you know, every time there is a big event, they usually invite me to give an, give me an award or for me to speak. But this time I was like, I want to go there to learn, I, because I mean, you always hear about Holocaust, you always hear about, you know, how many people actually died and stuff, but you don't know the details, you know, when, when you sit down and hear all this like struggles from a survivor, then it's like, it actually like hit you, you know, you're like, wow, what, what else I can do? So I remember he invited me to for a Holocaust Remembrance Day and I went there, me and him sitting down, um you know he's trying to explain me some things and stuff there is there was this woman she was maybe around 90 years old uh she was in wheelchair so she literally came right next to me and she looked up and she said i've never seen a jew this tall before <laughs> i started laughing the consul general started to laugh i was like man you're so sweet but i'm not jewish and she said, then what are you? She said, I'm Muslim. And then she's like, so, so then what are you doing here? She, I was like, well, I'm here to learn. So I remember right after I said it, she started to tear up. She started to cry uh, a little. And that day, they made me speak too. But that day I was there to learn. And what I learned that day, I was like, it's not only Jewish people's job to tell about Holocaust. I feel like we have to do somehow. It's everybody's job to help them so it would never happen again. So I come up with this idea, I come up with this couple ideas, which people are told me that I'm crazy. But I was like, you know what? It's, it's, I'm, I'm, I'm gonna take a shot and see, see if it actually like works or not. So I was like, why don't we just teach Muslim kids in Muslim schools about Holocaust and just let's just give this initiative. And, um, you know, it took us very long time to partner up with a school, but we finally found one in Brooklyn. And 
I remember after the initiative was done, I sit down and had a, uh, you know, lunch with the kids. And I asked them, like, what did you guys learn? Like, what, like, what is going, like, tell me about it. They said, we are so lucky that we get to learn about what, what happened or what can we do to help now. We learn about the past, but now the most important thing, we are here to help. And so it would never happen again. And they tell me some, some other things that I was like, wow, I should actually go ahead and sit, take this initiative because it was just so amazing. Um, my second uh, I will say my second dream was to do something actually in Israel. And I come up with this another idea. I was like, we have to do something so amazing, which has no politics involved, no conflict, no war. It has to be pure joy. What is that? Basketball. Everyone loves NBA. Everyone, everyone loves basketball. So I was like, let's use basketball to bring people together, especially the kids. So I organized this basketball camp in Israel, in Jerusalem, Tel Aviv and Haifa, but we started with Jer Jerusalem. So we brought Christian kids, Muslim kids, Jewish kids, and Druzus kids, Israelis and Palestinians in one basketball camp. And people said, dude, they're not going to play basketball. They're going to fight. I'm like, watch. So uh, we organized the basketball camp. It was a two-weeks basketball camp. And I remember... Uh, I have visited them after the first week. And as soon as I walk in the gym, the coach called me and said, can, can I talk to you for one second? I was like, well, what happened? He's like, listen, look at this little girl. She's from Palestine. And uh, he said, she, her family told her to come to my basketball camp. She said, okay, it's amazing. But, and her family told her where the basketball camp going to be. And she said, absolutely not. I'm glad her family was very well educated and they pushed her to come. She said, okay, I'm only going to come for one hour. She ended up seeing for two weeks. She actually ended up apologizing all from all of our teammates uh, after the first week. Um, she just said, I just didn't know enough about, I, I just didn't know enough. Um, I remember I got this rebound. I dribbled the ball. I passed it to this Jewish kid with the keep on he crossed someone over, he passed it to this Palestinian girl and she scored a ball and she was coming back and they high-fived each other. I was like, this is the most beautiful moment I've ever seen in my life. Okay, so we gotta keep doing this. I understand we're not gonna fix whole Middle East by organizing basketball camps, but it's a start. So it was, it was, it was an amazing basketball camp. Great, I have so many questions, but unfortunately we're limited in time. Um, a quick, a, a very, you know, um, Easy, easy answer is, was there, is there any Holocaust education in Turkey? Did you grow no. up ever hearing about such an event? No, not at all. I actually, pe people like, um, because like I am, the reason I wanted to like, you know, learn about, not just only give the initiative, but learn about the Holocaust because 17 years, I did not hear nothing about Holocaust. I just know the Hitler was the worst guy ever, but I just didn't know why. You know, because in Turkey, I never, you never hear about Holocaust. You never, no one ever like teaches you about what's going on. Or, you know, you just know that all oh, the Hitler, Adolf Hitler is like the worst guy ever. You know, you just know that. But if you ask anyone why, they wouldn't be able to tell you. But the reason they don't teach you is because they teach you to hate Jewish people. 
So like I have never heard anything about the Holocaust or people died or this, nothing. And, you know, you mentioned growing up in Turkey that uh, a lot of people are, are, I guess, brainwashed, right, by the regime. You know, what, I mean, this is just, you know, pure intuition probably on your part, because I'm sure people are afraid to speak mm -hmm. out a lot of times, but how much of the population do you think actually believes these kind of things about Israel and America and Jews or, you know, um, conversely, mm -hmm. do you think there's a large percentage of the population that, that really wants to see Erdogan gone and doesn't believe his propaganda? So there is a, even so there is a big part of the country believes that you know but even if you don't believe it you're not going to be able to uh, say anything against it because once you do then you know the, the Turkish government will declare you as a terrorist like they did that to me you know once you are against the regime once you are saying anything against what the regime is doing or anything that any if you put out anything that wrongdoings that the Erdogan's regime is doing, you're a bad guy, you're a terrorist, you're a horrible person, and you are against your country, you know? And so that's why, that's why whenever I talk about these issues, the first thing I say, listen, I love my country, I love my flag, I love my people. The reason I'm, I'm so outspoken about some of the issues is because of I love my people, you know? My problem is not with my country, my, my problem is with the current regime. But, you know, even if, like, there are so many celebrities obviously they know what's going on they're smart people but they're so scared because they build their whole life in turkey they earn they earn money they earn their respect they earn everything once you are once you say oh erdogan regime is wrong then you will lose everything you're losing everything so that's why people are really scared to say anything against it so mm -hmm. understood are you, what's the state with your family now? I mean, are you worried for your family or do you know that they're safe as long as there's no contact? Do you ever get any news about them? Don't, don't you have a brother in the US or? So I, I have a brother who actually plays basketball in Japan. He comes and goes to America very often. So I, I do see him. And whenever I want to communicate with my family, I talk to my brother and my brother obviously tell them, oh, hey, my mom is doing good. My dad is doing okay, whatever. Uh, yeah, I mean, last time I saw him, it's, almost, it's been almost uh, 10 years now, you know? And uh, the right now- you know, And their passports were taken away as well, right? Yes. So they can't get so out. So they're not allowed to. I mean, we trust so many actually politicians, so many high level people in DC. We sit down and had a conversation. I'm like, okay, what can we do to bring him here, you know? Um, unfortunately, everyone took, took their passport and they are, um, I mean, they are scared. I mean, they've been watched all the time. They, they're even scared to call me and say, hey, like, how are you doing? Because they listen to all their phones and track down all the IP numbers and everything. So like they are, it's like they're in a prison in a good country. But just because of I became too powerful here with media, with politicians, with celebrities and all that stuff. So right now, they are scared to touch my family, but the public is really harassing them. I remember my brother was uh, telling me about uh, some of the things that are happening. Like my dad, my dad got kicked out of a mosque. That's the house of God, you know? He got kicked out of a mosque just because of that he's my father, which he has nothing to do with any of this stuff, nothing. Uh, he was in jail for that. Uh, he went to a market 
to just shop whatever to shop a grocery and the guy spit on his face and said get out of here your son is a terrorist and i was like after hearing these like this kind of stuff i'm just speechless because i feel so sad for my country mm-hmm. right right now you know turkey is not necessarily considered an official enemy of the us mm-hmm. right i mean they don't have the same yeah. status as Iran or, um, you know, North Korea, and both the Trump and the Biden administrations Mm -hmm. enjoyed somewhat of kind of an ambiguous relationship with with Turkey. You know, what would you like to see happen politically? What do you think needs to happen in order to crush this regime? Is there any? So Turkey is a NATO ally, which is does not act like a NATO ally. I'm sure everybody who's watching this knows about what's happening with Finland and Sweden, how Erdogan just really pressure NATO about so many things. You know, this is what I, actually what I in one of my interviews that I said Erdogan is the Trojan horse for Putin in NATO, and now the the more time goes on, and I see that what I said was 100% real. Um, you know, everyone has been harassing not only uh, the, the countries in NATO, but like you see what's happening uh, in Greece and Cyprus. Everyone is really harassing the whole uh, region. Um, I believe I'm just so sick of all this leaders and all these people coming and saying okay diplomacy is so important and we don't want to lose turkey but while you are trying to fix your relationship with turkey on the other side of the world people are you know in turkey people are losing their loved ones losing their lives and losing their homes it's pretty much i don't want to say it's pretty much it is a dictatorship now you know so what i want to see is i don't want to hear any kind of condemning I want to actually hear some solid actions taken towards Turkey to, to free the political pr- prisoners or free the or just enough of the torture, you know, to torture. I mean, Turkey is like the number one country in the world that put most journalists in a jail. I believe more than China and uh, Russia. So, what I want to see is uh, sanctions. Maybe we can, maybe they can use Magnitsky uh, Act on towards some of the, you know, the people or officials, but. I don't, maybe not towards the whole country, but towards individuals, I think sanctions could be the first step. Uh, I mean, there are, I I even have a bill with so many senators in the uh, Senate and they're sponsoring it, but unfortunately, Erdogan is playing this like game with Ukraine and then he's going shaking hands with Russia. So it's like America is really, I will say like confused to what to do with uh, Turkey, you know? So it's like, but I think the first step will be definitely sanctions towards uh, individuals. Mm-hmm. Great, and just I just wanna sneak one more question in here before we end. Uh, was there certain um, uh, politicians or members of Congress that you felt like really wanted to take action and really understood the threat of the regime, uh, but for whatever reason they can't make headway? Or do you feel like most, the vast majority of people are just kind of placating and, and playing both sides and just condemning, like you're saying, without action. I mean, many of them want to do it. I mean, look at all the tweets, actually. Look at Bob Menendez. Look at Rick Scott. Look at Ron Wyden. I have a bill with Ron Wyden, Ed Markey, and Jeff Merkley. And look at so many other centers. I have another bill with in a, in a house with 
Hakim, uh, Jeff B. So I have so many people believe that actions will be taken, but I believe that, I don't know, I, I, I guess the White House don't want to really take some real actions because of the war going on in Ukraine and because of the diplomacy. But like, I just want to say you cannot play softball games with these dictators. And Erdogan has been actually using this for years and years, every, every administration. Before President Biden took the, uh, takes the, um, the office, I remember his, uh, uh, his interview. It's actually on the internet. I actually posted it on my Twitter. He said, there's only one country is the biggest problem in the Middle East, and it's Turkey. We have to fix that country. And now he takes the office. It's been almost two years, yeah, two years now, and nothing, nothing's happening. Like I am so. Whenever I go to like sit down with this, I guess high level people, people from the State Department, people from not only America. Whenever I go to Canada or or different, um, you know, uh, parliaments to speak, whatever, I'm like, I don't want to hear your condemning. I'm, I actually said it to one of the world leaders. I was like, enough with the condemning. I hear that from everybody. Um, we have to take some actions or Erdogan is literally going to destroy not only Turkey, but the countries around it. You know, look at what's how much he's harassing Greece or uh, Cyprus. He's asking F-16s, F-35s from America, but then he's going and buying S-400s from Russia. You know, he's he wants to invade Greece and he's whatever he's doing in Syria, the whole world, whole world uh, knows it now. Looks what's how much he's harassing uh, Cyprus. See how much he's torturing Kurdish uh, people. The Kurdish leader, the, the HD people party is in jail for nothing, for no reason, you know? So it just, it just seen, it's sad to see just your country going through this, but I believe that America is a power to, you know, I guess, change that, but it just, yeah, not happening. Yeah, understood. Well, I'm sorry to end on a pessimistic note, but unfortunately we've come to the close of our webinar. Thank you, Enes, so much for joining sure. us today. For our viewers, please be on the lookout for our weekly webinar offerings email coming out over the weekend. Thank you all for joining us and I hope you have a wonderful weekend.